Joe presents Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby, together with Guinness. Hello and you're very welcome to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby here on Joe, together with Guinness. We have a loaded show for you today. We'll be joined by Ulster and Ireland winger Jacob Stocktail uh, for a chat about his meteoric rise to stardom. And also he'll be uh, talking about a fundraising initiative that he is supporting during uh, the COVID-19 crisis. We've also got some actual rugby news that we'll be jumping into and uh, we'll be taking you back to 1995 for a big nostalgic kick in the ghoulies uh, where we'll be talking about Braveheart, What's the Story, Morning Glory and England versus New Zealand in the semi-final of the 1995 World Cup in South Africa, Johannesburg to be correct. So when I think about that time, I think about Braveheart first, coming first, being flung out into the world by Mel Gibson, just like at the end when Brendan Gleeson's character picks the sword and just fucks it with reckless abandonment. No need for historical fact or, or reason <laughs> or anything. Just you imagine like he's got all these history buffs that are there uh, that Randall Wallace has maybe hired to, to, uh, to maybe just dot their I's and cross their T's to make sure that they're some way within history boundaries. And Mel Gibson's just running around like, no, 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 what if he does this? What if he does this? And then they make it really long. So they've got like some bits they can cut out, but then he just grabs it and just fucks it like the sword. (laughs) You're like, oh no. Oh God. What have we done? um, That was like the the dildo um, being thrown from McCall's head, wasn't it? Yes. (laughs) Yes, I, I maybe use that reference a bit too often. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the dildo was thrown by O'Connell with just the equal amount of reckless abandonment as Braveheart was hurtled out into the world. Who gives a shit? How I many generations I, this is going to influence or how many <laughs> heads this dick is going to land on? <laughs> One at a time, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah anyway listen that reminds me uh, the Braveheart thing I, I couldn't remember I remember watching it back there was some reference to O'Connell and Hayes uh, throwing stones at each other but we'll get into that okay I just remember you bringing it up and I was like there's something in my is it triggering something here and I can't quite I've remember for, I've, I've forgotten about it already so I can't wait yeah. till you remind me yeah no um, we'll get into that we'll get into that but before that we need to Need to do a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, mm. Just a quick reminder that we have a new Baz and Andrews House of Rugby YouTube channel. Each week, the video version of our show is going to go up and be found on the YouTube channel. The channel will feature our show each week, um, some best bits from each episode, and exclusive videos and cartoons. Uh, our our best movie moments went up last week, which mm. I watched that, and I think I I hope people understand that we are not taking ourselves as seriously <laughs> as we appear to. <laughs> we certainly yeah, yeah. are not movie critics. Um, no. But people are yeah, falling yes. for Barry. People are falling for us. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I, I think that's season three. We're proper movie critics. Season four, I think we'll get into economics and then we'll see how we go <laughs> from there. <laughs> yeah. So people are falling for it. Uh, we've got 500 people subscribed already. <coughs> I just don't, I don't know what, I don't know what they see, Barry. I don't know about you. <laughs> so please do continue to keep following for it have you seen what people watch on youtube with people like i walk into my my brother's house and there's the kids just watching other kids playing with toys or grown men playing with toys so look if if they can do it we can talk shite about movies so yeah we can compete fair enough 
there's no ceiling with this stuff, right? Yeah. Okay, well, look, to to start, to take us back into that feeling of nostalgia, I love nostalgia. I'm a devil for nostalgia, but only when it's really beneficial. Nostalgic. Yes, nostalgic RFU token piece of free plastic that they gave us back in the day when we had when they had no money. Um, so I had the most nostalgic dripping week ever. Um, I, I, my parents' house is within five kilometers of a walk from here. So every day during the beautiful sunshine, I'd walk to my parents' place and have barbecue at the back. And then I went for a swim in the Shannon every day, um, which I haven't done since I was a kid. Um, and we just chatted and walked around my, my, like we live in a, my parents, when I grew up on a beautiful kind of spit of land that is either side of it. Um, it has the Shannon running kind of like a, yeah, it's like a sand spit, but it's not sand. Um, it's called the mill road. So there's a mill at the end of it. And there's just a walkway that goes around, which is quite overgrown. You'd never see anyone down there. And I was just walking around there going, my goodness, I remember this so well. And I was just thinking like, why don't we do this more often? Why don't we take advantage uh, of our local surroundings? And it brings me back to that island life uh, vibe that I was talking about a few weeks ago. when We were talking about Jack Johnson's In Between Dreams and how the Irish people were bred and built and made for living that kind of uh, laissez-faire lifestyle of just chilling and relaxing and not driving ourselves mental by working 12-hour days for big corporations and then spending the rest of our day driving to wherever we live on this big commute. Why can't we just chill out? And I think the main reason for that when things are normal is that we all have this kind of FOMO or this fear that we like, Oh God, we need to be, this guy's doing it. So I need to be doing it. And this, we've driven ourselves a bit mental from it. But now that we've all, we're all aware that no one else is doing anything that we're all kind of like, yeah, I can, I can just chill. I don't need to get up and do anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's the pressure of, of yeah. <clears throat> if, if there's something going on out there, that's better than what I'm doing here. Uh, and it's, it's also um, social media as well and we'll get into that with um with jacob a little bit because i know he's took a uh twitter detox basically i think he's more or less mm. took a he's took a pat detox i think because <laughs> that <Pat> was, <laughs> was abusing him during the world cup that's <laughs> good in baitings yeah so uh, uh yeah so he, he uh, yeah so he's done that but more in general that's that yeah. social media thing about just feeling like there's stuff going on out there and people are having more fun Mm. I think people are still probably doing uh, more, they're being less disciplined with with, uh, uh, the social distancing than their social media is letting on. But because they can't post it because they're afraid to be getting to get abused by people Mm. that uh, you're not not, (laughs) you're not looking at people on social media doing loads of different things. You're just happy enough to sit in the garden and just chill, chill the beans. Yeah. Um, so when I was on these walks, I got this nostalgic uh, trip back to when I was but a 15, 16, 17 year old and uh, flirting with young love and then watching normal people coming to a conclusion last night. Um, it all just triggered that part of my life. Do you remember that well when you were, God, trying to mature? Like, I think the whole show is about maturing, is it? 
a relationship maturing from coming of age. Yeah, when you're supposed to be an adult at 17, <clears throat> but you're not really an adult at 17. But you, but the world is telling you that okay, it's legal for you now to uh, to have sex. It's um, and then you're supposed to be physically, mentally, emotionally developed, but clearly you're not. You're the opposite. Your brain isn't probably fully developed till your mid twenties. But we we put all these pressures on ourselves that we've to kind of get in relationships. And man, that's an awful time to be alive when you've to. When I can I can remember being like getting into relationships and thinking, how do I? Is this it now? Do I have to get? Do I have to do this for the rest of my life? Am I? I'm a married. I'm only seventeen. How do I? And then I'm. You're mad about the person, but you. How do you get out of that? It's uh, or do you get out of it? Or is it good for you? Or is it bad for you? And you can't really ask for anyone's opinion because they're afraid. They're like, oh. except yeah. But we would have thought stupider maids. We we would have always thought though the 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 mate in school that was in a really steady serious relationship when you're fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. You kind of thought like even then you're like, well, this guy's taking this so seriously. Why why are they doing this? Even then you're like that. Yeah. To be fair, and and uh, that I think that's maybe the unrealistic thing about normal people. They're they're not normal. <laughs> they're weird people. <laughs> to be fair, um, and, yeah. You know, like they're that's clever. True, yeah. They're really clever, and they there's a it's a little bit. I think we talked about this before. It's a little, a little bit Dawson's creaky. And uh, they're all experts on life. They're probably doing the they're they're the equivalent in Sligo of what we're doing with our movie reviews. <laughs> Just thinking, thinking <laughs> they know everything there is to know. Uh, a little bit opinionated, I would say. I, I I think it's unrealistic that Connell would have been as popular as he was in um uh, in school. Why? Because he he was very good at sport, though. Yeah, but that's and he's good looking. That's not enough, especially now. So back when when we were in school, it was good enough to be good at sport. It's it's back to twenty two Jump Street, um, mm. Jonah Hill, and what's his name, uh, Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum. Mm. Channing Tatum was just the meathead jock, and we were obviously the meathead jocks in school because we were good at rugby. So that was good enough, like the you know to be in in, in a cool crowd. But um, but I think nowadays it's different. Jonah Hill's the cool kid now, not Channing Tatum, and he was Channing Tatum. I know, but I think in 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 normal people, he I think the 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 pro the why Connell is popular and why he's happy in the school environment and then he's unhappy in college is that he's grown up with all these people around him, so they know him from when he was a kid. So he doesn't really have to. Uh, I don't know. He doesn't have to show off. He's good enough. He's good at sports. So they take him for that. He's a bit uh, quiet. He's. Uh, but he's intelligent, so people are probably less judgmental because they mm. kind of know him well. And uh, but then Marianne is uh, very odd, so they judge her from the get go. They're like, "Who is this one?" So yeah. she grows into that. And then when they go to college, he uh, really struggles because he's uh, ident- his identity is attached to what people think of him in Sligo, um, whereas she can abandon that and become her herself. Um, but I know what you mean about them being abnormal people. I suppose she had to do that a little bit, yeah, um, to to make it more interesting. But the man, thing, it's... the thing that I I picked up actually, um, uh, this is a bit of a douchey thing to say. The book actually uh, highlights, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's annoying, right? So fair enough. But when you watch the series, um, 
when when you watch the series, you're inclined to think that um, Connell, whenever he's quiet, he's confidently quiet and he's happy. He's just content in who he is. But when you read the book, then you get more of an appreciation of a little bit of turmoil that's going on in the background mm-hmm. with him and yeah. how he's, he's not actually confidently quiet. He's nervously quiet. He doesn't know how to act, doesn't know what to say. Feels like he is obviously the, the, the beginnings of someone, you know, who, who then kind of struggles with depression on down the line. But, you know, I think you get more of an appreciation of that, which was really eye opening, I thought. Mm, yeah, I'm getting that now. I'm halfway through the book and I, I am getting that. Um, yeah, he does. He definitely he comes across like less damaged in the show until that feckin' ninth and 10th episode. Yes. Um, when they, yeah. when they dropped the bomb, but it fi- look, it finished well, man. I was, I was happy. It was heartbreaking that they were obviously going to break up. Um, but it finished on a positive vibe that they got back together. They had a brilliant sex scene at the end. Um, Connell, his chain Right, obviously he's going to be an influencer at that, but he's got a serious uh, set of pubes on him. Um, he's a big old bush, isn't he? I, I wonder will that, <laughs> he's, so he's matured in the bush area anyway. Uh, <laughs> I wonder will he will that become will he become an influencer with that as well? <laughs> yeah, well that's hard to it's hard to be an influencer in that area, isn't it? I don't know. Like lads, will be looking at that going like because he's all over the place now. People are taking photos of him walking around his GA shorts and stuff like that. But lads are gonna look at that and they'll be like, "Jeez, I better. I've been trimming my pubes, but I better let yeah. them." Uh... It's a it's a more subtle version of being an influencer. You can't put a picture up on Insta. You can't say <laughs> you can't say uh, link in bio. <laughs> 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 take a peek into his trousers <laughs> yeah not bad not yeah bad. yeah well look yeah i was i was delighted with how it ended um <clears throat> and i've been been uh looking into sally rooney a little bit the author she's uh she's an interesting lady um mm-hmm. and i think she might be on board she's a bit of a marxist actually um mm-hmm. she's very against capitalism and consumerism so i think she uh is also on board for my island lifestyle uh, this kind of um, colony or, or uh, what, what should I call it? Uh, this way of life that I'm going to start. So myself and Sally Rooney. Uh, no, I, I listen. I, I feel like you've um, you were going to invite me, and then I didn't really I've lost confidence already. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'll join. I'll join you and Sally. No, myself, Jacob, uh, Sally, and uh, Jack, Jack Johnson. Well, who's going to look after the kids? <laughs> don't send them up north with it. Don't send them to my house. <laughs> I've already got too many. Uh, all right. Uh rugby. Um, there's been a fair bit of rugby news this week. Uh super rugby. How do you even say this word? Aotearoa uh yeah, New Zealand, I, basically. Yeah, I was delighted that um that, that um was that was thrown over to you for that. I had no clue. Never heard yeah. of it. So the the basically the super rugby in New Zealand. Uh, is starting this weekend and uh, they have brought in some new rules which I think are very interesting. Drawn matches will now be settled by uh, a golden point. So after the end of the game, if it's drawn, they'll play 10 minutes where a team can, um, a team whoever scores try, penalty, whatever, drop goal, will win the game. If after 10 minutes it doesn't uh, come to a, a conclusion, then each point team will get two points correct yeah yeah we're 20 24 years <clears throat> football and that aren't we didn't they, they bring in the golden goals in euro 96 yeah that was just for for like uh 
I don't know if that even stayed. Did that stay? Because it's no. not happening to World Cups anymore. No. Yeah. Um, but this is just regular league games, um, yeah. which is very interesting. Um, obviously, New Zealand rugby is a step ahead of everyone when it comes to uh, excitement and energy. And they're just, you couldn't look for a more entertaining game of rugby. But yet they're still trying to push the boat out. And because it's obviously something to do with the fans not being engaged um, and no one being happy with a draw. They want winners. Uh, they also have brought in probably the more controversial one a player that gets red card. It could be replaced by a fresh player after 20 minutes. Yeah. Which obviously their reasoning was that a red card was going to influence a game or had been influencing a game too much. So let's just keep it as you know a twenty-minute penalty. Obviously, the player will get <clears throat> the same repercussions from World Rugby if it was a, a fairly dangerous tackle or anything like that. I think that but, that um, player should be replaced by um, a spectator. I think they should <laughs> shake it up even further. <laughs> <laughs> Like a big claw comes out from the crowd and just goes down like and picks, <laughs> yeah. picks picks one up. Um, picked by the opposition. Yeah. So they get to that fella. That, he's playing. Know, yeah. Just the claw, like as if you were in a in a computer <laughs> arcade place and the claw just drops in. And I'm like, ah, oh, shit. Some yeah. big old lad, a big old lad, overweight old lad just dropped in, still with his beer in his hand. <laughs> only, only like the claw machine. He never quite makes it to the pitch. He always just gets dropped just in the terrace before <laughs> before he gets to the advertising board. And... <laughs> oh, nearly had him. Uh, yeah, look, I think that one's going to be interesting. I don't know how. I don't know how it'll go down. To be honest, I like it. I do like a game when teams go to fourteen men. Um, for example, when Yi beats uh, South Africa a few years ago, down to fourteen men. I mean, when a team does that, the that lives forever when when you can achieve something of uh, uh, as like, like that. But it does, I suppose, in the long run, make it um, less impactful to have a, a one player ruin the game for everyone involved, everyone watching, um, etc. Because I suppose fourteen men winning a game is very happens very seldom. Um, last piece of rugby news. Uh, David Humphreys is departing from Gloucester Rugby at the end of the ju- end of June, stepping down as director of rugby in light of head coach Johan <coughs> Ackerman's departure uh, in order to give Gloucester the chance of a fresh start. Um, wonder where he'll go now. Would you be in touch with him very often? I we we had planned to get him. We were we were trying to get him on the show. So I, I called him last week, but I never heard never heard back. It was obviously um, yeah. It would have been great to have had him on now with the, with the news. He's um. Very well thought of anywhere he's been. He, I'd be surprised if he didn't have a plan. I suppose. Um, mm. So yeah, I don't know. I, that was news to me. Um, but um, yeah, great fella and adds, adds a lot. Um, I don't know if maybe um, he's kind of joined to Ackerman or they kind of come as a pair. I don't know. Mm. But um, yeah, bit of a loss for Gloucester. I would have thought. Yeah, I've watched a good bit of his old footage over the last few weeks just because he's on TV or those old games are on TV. And uh, I loved that time of Irish rugby. There was so much excitement. Um, obviously, obviously, Raj coming through, still pretty young, I think, when Humps was in his uh, prime. So uh, it was really the, the the Humps show. Like I watched him play New Ze- Ireland play New Zealand, I'm going to say 1997 or something like that. And they're winning for 60 minutes of the game. 
and he is just controlling everything, kicking really, kicking a goal really well, kicking uh, to touch really well, and just has a brilliant little um, show goal break. Yeah, that he just pulls out every once in a while. Good distributor. Um, yeah, kind of forget how how good how good he was because Raj took over in such a you know dominating style when when he did. We we wouldn't. Anybody up here wouldn't forget how good he is. To be fair, he's really, he's, yeah, he'd be a real hero up here. To be fair, mm. um, he was. I I loved David Humphreys growing up, um, and a friend of mine. Then I I played for Friar Schools number six, and a friend of mine. There was my dad. Um, got a picture of David Humphreys at the rugby club one night, in a raffle or something. And then a friend of mine sent it off to David Humphreys, and he signed it and gave it back to me. And uh, congratulations on your selection for Irish Schools. Uh, look forward to seeing how your rugby career pro- uh, progresses. And this went up on my wall. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, I was, and then fast forward um, two years, three years. And then I was, I was playing week in, week out with them. And it was class. class wow. Class experience. Uh, um, I, I remember getting, um, getting a rugby ball. Our monster played Harlequins in a cup match and the ball went into the stand and like the lovely little limerick lad I was, I shoved it up my jumper and uh, and stole it, basically. But it was the one that had the big H on it. It was that real lovely old school Gilbert. And uh, after the game, Woody was coming out of the dressing room and I, I waited around, I must have been 14, 15, and got Woody to sign it. I even remember him looking at it, kind of going like, you've definitely stolen this ball. And I was like, yeah. What are you going to do? So he, he signed it. And I took it on a holidays with me that summer. And uh, I called it the ball Woody. Such a bit of a loser. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I was over in Portugal. I'd be down with the pool and tossing the ball around. And if the ball went near the water, I'd be like, Woody! Because his, his name, would the, the autograph would come off it. So I was like, well, <laughs> I get so ratty if I like there's all these other kids around the pool wanting to play with I was like don't let the ball go near the water you can't rub off that but then Martin Curry and Austin Healy uh, arrived to the pool one day I, 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 they must have it must have been after the, the Lions in 97 because they were fucking stratospheric in terms of like um, stardom and I was like oh my god they, they arrived big massive rip lads and uh, I was in the pool and I saw my dad going over and with my ball and got the two of them to sign the ball. And I was like, no, <laughs> <laughs> they're ruining it. So I was, and then I was in the pool trying to wash off their signatures on it, uh, off it. And uh, I think I did. Yeah. Sorry, just cat. See, I love nostalgia. Just catapulted me back into it. Um, just like the sword from Braveheart. But let's get Jacob Stockdale on the phone. You're listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. Okay, we've got Jacob Stockdale here. Jacob, um, how is isolation treating you? Um, yeah, for me, it's been it's been pretty good. Uh, it's just like it's been a nice opportunity to slow down for a couple of months, and um, yeah, you know, just kind of learn a new way to live. I guess so. Yeah, I, I've been enjoying it. We've got three kids, <clears throat> and um, as a result, I've sped up during isolation. <laughs> how, how does a dog compare to three kids? Um, well, I I don't know. Like, I just take her. I take her for a run, and then she sleeps for the rest of the day. I don't know if kids do that. <laughs> do you? <laughs> do you, you sleep mean, for the rest of the day as well? 
<laughs> Fair enough, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wish it, I wish it was that easy. Um, but uh, t- tell me, what what have you been up to? How have you found it right now? The whole process we were talking earlier on about bringing back um, kind of a new approach to life and kind of rediscovering what's important to to ourselves rather than busying ourselves with our work day. Not that you know anything about a work day, Jake. <laughs> you youngsters. <laughs> but have you made any kind of discoveries about yourself? Um, yeah. Yeah, at first, like, I, I find myself just missing going for, like, coffees with the lads a lot. Um, they're kind of just small, simple things. Um, and then that kind of pushed me on to realize <clears throat> just how important coffee is in my life, you know? Yeah. Uh, like I wake up thinking about it now instead of just like grabbing it at some point during the day and um, become a main motivation. So that's an interesting point. Wait till you have three kids <laughs> and then it's, it's going to become even more important. Uh, what is your go-to coffee then? Go on. Uh, I'd say flat white. Um, flat white's my go-to. I'm trying to do the latte art, but mm. like I'm three months in now and I'm, I think I might have got worse. We got a hot tip um, from Tag Burn last week. Um, get a re- get a really expensive coffee machine. That's the mistake I made. I got a what I actually um, for a retired sports person. I got what I would describe as a, an expensive coffee machine, and he put that to shame. Absolutely, <laughs> by, by, by more than doubling it. <clears throat> what have you got yourself, Jacob? Uh, I've got one that we see it. Barista Pro. I. Honestly, no idea. It was yeah. a, when I bought it, it was about four hundred quid. So I don't know if that's is that Tag Burn level or is that <coughs> level? Of- Tag Burn's coffee machine is more expensive than my car, basically. <laughs> Good. Yeah, uh, I see. I love coffee, but you know what? I'll keep drinking drinking my puddle water before I'll spend like a couple of grand on a on a coffee machine. Yeah, yeah. yeah I know. I, I love coffee, but I only love it as much as me. Um, me being tight allows me to. Uh, push the boat out on it a little bit but apparently anyway the hot tip from tag burn was <clears throat> the sage machines are very difficult to get the the milk frothy enough to make um good latte art well, there you go yeah so, so that's the fails what you're saying uh well that's that is a negative inter- interpretation of what i said <laughs> <laughs> i was trying to kind of reassure you that all is not lost you can um uh, you can just try harder, really, or it's an excuse for you. Um, but tell me, what what else have you been up to? You're you're talking about getting out of bed for your coffee, so I'm just seeing this kind of get up and go, um, <laughs> revitalize Jacob Stock deal. And then, can you tell us a little bit about your your Twitter detox? My what? You're you've, you're on a Twitter detox, I believe. You're on a you said a Twitter detox, and I was like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think you need a quitter detox, Jim. <laughs> That's not what you need. You're fine. You're going great. Yeah, um, yeah the Twitter detox actually has been going for a long time now. Like, um, I, I I don't really suppose that. Well, actually, I suppose nobody has re- really noticed uh, because like I wouldn't have been a big tweeter anyway. Tweeter, yeah, I think it's the right term. But um, yeah, like it was just after it was after the World, directly after the World Cup. Uh, that first monster game, and um, I came back and played like um, after the game, before even texting the friends, family, uh, my girlfriend. I just went straight on to Twitter to see what people were saying about me, and I was just like, "Yeah," I was like, "This is incredibly unhealthy." Um, so 
as I, I just deleted the app off my phone. And I think I, I hadn't planned on maybe deleting it permanently. I just like, right, I need a bit of a break from this. But um, yeah, I haven't been on about seven or eight months. And to be honest, I'm not really planning on going back on it anytime soon. Um, <clears throat> can you tell us a bit more then about, we're not looking for exactly what people were saying, but give us a bit more insight uh, into into the the opinions of some of the people. I, um, I read, I read you, you, you mentioned there, um, if you're sick, you don't just walk down the street and ask a randomer, um, what do you think's wrong with me? And that's the equivalent of, you know, random punters just getting in touch on Twitter. Um, but tell, tell us a little bit about that because I, I, I experienced something similar. I, um, was just always so nosy. I just was always so intrigued to see what people, people said, which is so unhealthy. Tell us a bit, a bit more about that, Jacob. Um, yeah, like, you know, it obviously varies massively. Um, you know, you'd get, you'd get like the, the classic Twitter trolls uh, that would be like tweeting you like horrible stuff being like, you know, like kill yourself, like, you know, like, like fucking yeah, hell. Yeah, really, like really offensive stuff. Um, those didn't bother me that much, weirdly enough, because I knew they were like, they were just saying these things to get a reaction and it probably wasn't their actual opinion. You know, they were just like out mm. there trying to get a bite out of you, and so that those didn't really bother me that much. But it was did you like those? Did you like those ones? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, like it was more the ones that would like people would be like their genuine opinion was I was like a crap rugby player. Those were the ones that would actually really get to me, um, which is weirdly enough. But um, but yeah, they just ranged from. Uh, you know, people saying that I didn't have a good game to I shouldn't be playing for Ulster, I shouldn't be playing for Ireland to, you know, uh, I don't want, like, I'm tired of seeing Jacob Stockfield doing this or doing that. And, like, you know, like nine times out of ten, you'd read them and you'd go, I don't think, you know, they go, they, they don't know as much as I do and, and their opinion isn't actually right. But at the same time, when, you, when you're when you reading these tweets over and over and over and over and over again, you start to a narrative in your head that they're actually right um so yeah just decided that it wasn't a healthy place to be a healthy thing to be doing or a healthy place to be and instead of just get rid of it you ever find yeah. yourself <clears throat> looking at their profiles and and you know and just kind of just intrigued to see okay who is this person let's find out a little bit about them how how bad are their lives maybe or how you yeah. know you know like sometimes yeah it, it like doesn't hurt as much if you go on and they're like all uh, right, Larry. Yeah, he's only got two followers. He doesn't even have a picture. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You're mm. like, yeah. <laughs> like, I, it is, but but it's it's fascinating that the human nature, like that, will you know, you've obviously on the flip side, you would receive massive praise on a on a regular day when you go out and do your job for Ulster in Ireland. It's it's normally like, my God, you know what? Ireland's answer to Jonah Lomu for parts of your career were like. What have we, we've got struck gold with this guy. And I'm sure that would outweigh the negative comments by 100 to 1. But human nature is we take in the negative ones so much more to heart than we would the, the, the positive ones. And I heard Russell Brand and, what's his name, Conan O'Brien talking about this the other day. And they're, they're talking about it almost like it's currency. And, uh, you know, it's like when the, 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 the Deutschmark became just, you know, uh, lost all its value. Uh, it was like a 
200,000 Deutschmark to buy a carton of milk and it was like completely blown out. It's like, that's the same with with the currency of a like for a not a like or a, or a negative comment against a positive comment. It just weighs it down so much. And uh, yeah, I think fair play to you, man, for, for acknowledging that, that it's, it's a narrative thing that you, you kind of end up telling yourself. Um, but like, do you... <clears throat> Do you kind of do you, do you still take that on board? Is that is that like is there a uh uh what you call it a uh mental health uh Jesus what are they called? Is there uh uh Jesus what are they called? Is there uh uh what you call it a uh, sports psycho- sports psychologist uh, in in Ulster rugby that has helped you with that, or or is that something you just adapted yourself? Um, no, there there actually wasn't really a sports psychologist in Ulster uh, that, that I worked with. I did a wee bit with Andy Kenny, or not? That's right, Andy McNulty. Andy Kenny, he's the physio, isn't he? <laughs> he's the former Taoiseach of Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Leo Varadkar called me up. <laughs> um, sorry, Andrew McNulty, who's a sport, the sports psychologist in Ireland, uh, did a, did a, f- a few sessions with him, but um, but no, it was it was very very much something I just figured out on my own. Uh, it was just something that I decided like that I needed to do, or that I needed to do for my own like just well being. Um, and yeah, I'd say there was a few like. There's definitely a few like trial and errors in the sense, like because you know I went through a period where I I read all those comments and like I'd get angry about them and they'd kind of motivate me to play better. Um, but then you know when you read all those comments and you don't have a great game, and then there's more comments, it mm. really fires on you. Um, so yeah, I decided to just like, the best way is just to ignore it. It surprises um, me that there's not more structure put in place for for rugby players like to. Um, to protect you from that, like it was never there. It was never that prevalent when I played. Um, Twitter was only really just, just starting, but you had to deal with journalists more than anything, or the, the hurler in the ditch. But you never really went and bought the papers. It's a lot easier to just look up your look up your phone and see this stuff. Um, Some surprise. I mean, if you were to to give advice to any young lad coming up now, would it be to just avoid it completely, or is there a way of um, you know, kind of managing yourself? through it um yeah like whenever i was coming up through like everybody told everybody said they just don't read anything about yourself um i don't think Trembi ever told me that but that's probably because he didn't want me to do too well um, <laughs> i was like read more read more <laughs> and then i'd be tweeting them directly <laughs> fake accounts. um no, like there would have been boys like I remember Bestie, Roy Best telling me like just don't read anything about yourself whenever um that first whenever it was actually it was just after the first like si- the twenty eighteen Six Nations. And like I was at that point I was kinda of, like Bestie, like <laughs> you know, I'm gonna read stuff about myself because it's all great at the moment. Um, and I suppose it's gonna be whenever it starts to not be great every single time you step on the pitch is when you start to um, you know that's when it starts to affect you. So yeah, I, my my advice would be the same as as it was for me. 
um, is just don't read anything um, and do that from the start so that you don't have to figure this out when you're three or four years into your career. It was uh, timely of Rory to give you that advice. <clears throat> um, just whenever uh, Barry was saying there about um, clubs being more proactive and kind of shielding players or looking after players a little bit more, it's the, the potential pitfalls of that are like after the Monster game, for example, um, someone coming in the change room saying, you, 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 you three there, all of you don't look at your phones because you were really crap today. <laughs> it's, it's like, <laughs> you know, and so, so Rory sent that, that to you in 2018 is uh is perfect timing um but, but if he'd said that to you you know after after a bad game then it's him acknowledging it's him more or less telling you you did not go well today which is even more hurtful because he knows his stuff or he knows <clears> what <throat> to anticipate yeah i saw you he's not like a, you know in the future like a nice way to tell somebody that a crap game <laughs> check and twitter buddy <laughs> <laughs> yeah. your phone we off. used to we used to um i remember bordeaux do you remember bordeaux away i think you were on the bench were you or, i was on the bench yeah i didn't get on and remember um beagles getting a hard time on twitter afterwards and because we lost we all decided to cheer ourselves up beagles paul marshall <laughs> we decided Rude. to cheer ourselves up by by searching his name on twitter um, uh. <laughs> which is um not nice. Evil. It's Obviously. evil. That's, that's what it is. It yeah. was. Uh, it was Tommy. It was Tommy's idea. <laughs> <laughs> or Tommy. You're a bully, Trimmy. Um, <clears throat> what about um, what about extending it further? Like Instagram, obviously, isn't the type of platform to be getting criticism. Um, but what, you know, I, I know you talked about uh, how much more um, effective you've been with your time, or you know last time just sitting on the sofa just getting lost in a rabbit hole of, of kind of Twitter um, but what about extending that further to, to Instagram or other social media um, yeah like I think I think social media does have its place in your life you know as um, as something to just you know when, you, when you're bored or you've not to do for 10 minutes to flex through and like it is it's, you know it's, it's enjoyable to just kind of like I on my explore page it's just like cars there's like cars and rugby. So I'm just like flicking through watching videos of like, you know, old like Toyota Supras racing against Honda Civics, you know, but like, um, so I think like there, there definitely is a place for it in that sense. And, and I find that Instagram, it's people have to go to more effort to attack you on Instagram. Do you know, like, they need to, oh, they need to, time's like, up, is it? Yeah. <laughs> Again. Thanks. Coffee, coffee time. Where did my go? No, like the yeah, like so. I find that Instagram is actually quite a good place to just kind of go. It's a positive place, yeah. Definitely, I think it's a lot more positive than Twitter. So I haven't really found that issue with it yet. Um, mm. But that being said, like I have found myself naturally probably being on social media less, um, just because there's. You know, there's one less app to be looking for. Yeah, um, you mentioned cars there. Uh, I know you've um, you've made a recent purchase and you've um, been doing a bit of work on a on a Mustang. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I got a 1966 Mustang. Uh, nice. And uh, yeah, I bought it off eBay. So it is. Um, and it was just kind of like yeah. Uh, it's not like it's something I wanted to do for a while. Um, like I love cars and 
I wanted to get like an older car to just be able to tinker at and do a bit of work on. Um, so like, it can be you have a mini, don't you? I have a mini, yeah, and I uh, it's been I bought it maybe maybe 12, 13 years ago, and uh, I might have driven it a handful of times. Um, <laughs> I went to a mechanics course as well with Handy, um, but I didn't really, like, it was more like changing tires and stuff, so it wasn't really massively useful. I noticed, I noticed one article you did where you were talking about the Mustang, and you mentioned transmission, and straight away I was like, this guy knows his stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I actually did a mechanic course online as well, but it was similar, like kind of changing tires and, you know, the car should be jacked 10 to 15 centimeters above the ground and stuff like that. So, um, but I enjoyed it. So I might, I might look into doing something maybe a wee bit more <clears> uh, in the future, but, um, yeah, it's been good. Like lockdown has been a good opportunity for me to get to a, a better work on, on the Mustang. So like. I replaced the suspension in it, um, and Jesus, the, the the suspension was was a scary job as it was because um, with coil springs you have to obviously compress them to get them out, and like these thing, you know, these springs are used to hold up like a two ton car. So whenever you use a special machine to compress, like a it's it's like four hooks if that makes sense, like facing the opposite way from each other. And then you like just tighten it down, and the hooks pull pull the spring together. But they do have a bit of a um, a reputation for slipping and people losing hands or lives. So it was it was a, Jesus. a really nervous, nervy thing to be doing. Yeah. And where did you learn to do all that? Was that something you did with, as a kid? Um, I would have always had the, like interest part of it, but to be honest, um, just off like Google and YouTube. Um, like there's because Mustangs are so unbelievably popular as well. There's there's you know hundreds of videos of you on YouTube of that of doing every single thing that you'd need to know about you know, <clears throat> So mm. it's a matter of YouTubing it, having a look, figuring out exactly how you do it in your car, and then doing it. So it's it's pretty. It is pretty simple. All right, you do a bit of work on um. What did you have? I had a 1979 uh, VW camper van, one of the old school ones, the big bay window and the bed in the back. Um, first car I ever bought 20 years ago, I'd say. Um, and I didn't have a clue and I still don't have a clue about cars. Um, and I remember the first week I had it, we planned on going for a holiday up the West Coast and do a load of camping stops all the way up and got into the car Monday morning. It was our, you know, rather than going abroad, I think I was Academy at the time or something like that. Rather than going abroad, I was like, I'm going to stay at home and, uh, turn on the engine. It was pissing out of the heavens, typical June morning here. And the wiper motor had broken. I was like, fuck. So, uh, obviously didn't have a clue how to do it, how to fix it or anything, but there was two little hatch windows at either side of the, of the kind of main side windows and you could flip them open. So I flipped them open and stuck my shoelaces out either window and tied them onto either of the, the wipers. And then if I pull them, if I pull them this way, they'd go up. And if my girlfriend pulled them that way, they'd go down. <laughs> so we're just driving like this. 
<laughs> she was like, I'm not doing this. So I was like, it's grand. And then I rang a mate of mine on the way up and he was like, if you also, if you put a, if you cut a potato in half and you put the potato juice on the windscreen, the water will, it'll create a film and the water will run around it. But there was just fucking potato juice on the window. I could, so, I <laughs> so I stuck to my shoelace idea and uh, it was pretty cool. Like, cause it's a flat window, you get away with it. It's not like a, the water kind of ran off pretty quick, but yeah, it was, uh, I kept me busy throughout my half of my career. Anyway, I'd always spend a bit of time trying to learn how to, you know, even do electrics or take batteries out and stuff like that. And just do the more interior. I was more of an interior designer than the actual taking out a fucking engine or the suspension. That was, uh, not my game. Uh, was there a module Jacob <clears throat> on your mechanics course on potato juice? very um very uh nice nice wee bit of kind of just managing to hack hack your way through yeah i remember tommy um, tommy had a beetle as well didn't he yeah. i remember having loads of chats with tommy it was the same color as that rotten snot illuminous green uh yeah. as my one um so we used to be always chatting about because his was volkswagen as well mm. um what color is yours, Jimby? Mine was uh, more of a bottle green. Um, ah, quite nice, what's that? Yeah, it's quite nice, is it? It is. It's nice. Yeah. It's. Uh, I. I intended whenever I finished playing, I was like, right, I'm going to spend the summer again. It sorted out, and then <clears throat> just never got around to it. My dad, every now and again, just it's sitting up in my garage at, at home. Um, my dad, every now and again, would would try and start it up. Sometimes it starts, sometimes it doesn't. The only thing we did to it was that we changed the um the choke <laughs> and i don't even know what remember chokes <laughs> i don't know you remember chokes you'd be too young for chokes young jacob <laughs> you wouldn't know a choke <laughs> so, uh, but i it was uh it was just a bit of a notion for for me and never really took off but uh we need to chat a little bit of um potential rugby jacob but actually before we get into the rugby tell us a little bit about um your um Involved in a fundraising campaign for mental health. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so aware. Um, our our charity partner of uh, of Maxwell and um, you know, I'd be uh, very involved as a brand ambassador for Maxwell. So, so aware came and just kind of um explained to me exactly what they were doing and and I thought that it was a it was a brilliant kind of opportunity to get involved. Um, so they're running what they're calling the phone a friend campaign. Um. Which is pretty much, you know, what it says in the tin. Um, obviously during lockdown, there's a lot of people who are who are isolating by themselves, and and it can be a real tough time for a lot of people, um, especially people who who have been living with you know underlying mental health conditions. And, you know, like, <coughs> so, so it's just really it's it's an opportunity to reach out to a friend and and to you know just make a phone call that might make their day for for kind of five or five or ten minutes. Um, and then after you've made that phone call to then donate to where you text a phone or friend to fifty three hundred, um, and you donate four euros. Um, it's it's obviously a really worthwhile cause, and um, where are struggling right now in terms of fundraising because they've had to you know obviously cancel a lot of you know their fundraising events that they wouldn't be bringing in money from. Uh, it would make my day if you called me, Jacob, if I'm with the three kids, and I would just pretend it was a work call, Anna. 
Jacob's dog tale. Yeah, and I was like, that's that. <laughs> it's uh, Barry. You talk to him way too much. Don't answer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, no. Good. I'll maybe change. I might change your name in my phone, Barry, to Jacob, and then I'll we'll approve <laughs> approve me answering the call. Uh, no, we're not. We're not taking the piss. It's obviously uh, great stuff and very good of you to get involved. Um, uh, and obviously, kind of keeping yourself active and keeping yourself up to. Um, just doing some some good out in the community so fair play to you um so yeah rugby wise let's get into it um we'll be we'll get in trouble pat our producer he would have been one of the ones that would have been tweeting you in the change room in monster by the way mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and now the thing is he has your number so <laughs> if you can delete Twitter and just text it to you <laughs> <laughs> so um tell us a little bit um jacob about um some of the young lads coming through ulster um obviously being an ulster supporter myself it's been great to see uh what dan mcfarland's done he's brought a lot of young guys through and he's got rid of a lot of dead wood uh like myself uh and uh one of those guys is Stuart Moore. there's a lot of talk about him um i don't think you didn't know you didn't play you didn't play tw- under 20s with him but i'm sure you know him as a young guy coming through tell us a little bit about him yeah, yeah, Reece Dews, he's a serious talent. Like, he's he's one of those players that, um, you know, just everything seems to come naturally to him. Like, really good passer, kicker, like, good feet. You know, he's just he's a, a very, very talented all-rounder. Um, and I think he's actually, like, from what I can gather, he's been working pretty hard over this lockdown period. Um, like, he ran a, he ran a 4.25 Bronco. Um there, which is is quick for you know for a cent for a center especially. So you know, how does that compare then to where would that be in the pecking order? Uh, I think he was. I think he was second. <laughs> really, Shanners. Shanners, yeah. really. Yeah, yeah. I think Shanners beat him, but you know, so he's he's right up there in terms of like his, his fitness, which is which would probably have been one of his weaker areas. Um, you know, like. Kind of earlier on, you know, in his career, so so he's he's really he's really shaping himself up to be to be a very talented player, and there's no doubt that he'll, he'll get plenty of caps for Ulster. His first, it might have been his first touch for his first game away at the RDS, and um, he he produced the most ridiculous offload. Do you know the one I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. He like, uh, supposedly no, I wasn't there, but apparently uh, before he was going on. Uh, BMP, the message that Paley sent down was just like, keep it in the hands, like, see it, no, no offloads like that. <laughs> his first touch of his horse, like, so, um, yeah, he's a uh, seriously talented be man. Yeah, and then speaking of talent, obviously, Albie Matthewson, Ian Madigan, what's the story on those boys? Um, uh, do you know much about them? Have you? Obviously, never played with Madigan, but um, what's your thoughts on them coming in? Yeah, they've um, like we've uh, they've come in. Obviously, they're like I suppose they're you know part of the team now. Although realistically, it doesn't feel like it that much just because we're not together. But mm. involved in a few like uh, like doing calls and and um, like meetings for talking about like back backfield defence and talking about you know. Really, just trying to talk about rugby to keep the mind occupied a bit, but you know they've, they've come with some really good, really good points, and and um, they've added a lot and contributed to the to the conversations they've been involved in so far. So I know there's there's only so much that they can really add to 
to us for right now, but um, you know, it bodes well for for whenever they come back in, um, you know, like full time training, that they'll definitely bring you know a level of, of experience uh, to the team, which is, which is exciting. And then uh, looking forward, then obviously it looks like uh, Interpros in in August. Um, Interpros, like it, it to me, all being the one stadium, it it reminds me of like a mini rugby tournament. You know, you also guys going change over in that. Um, and we, there'll be a wee tent, you know, and everybody gets their wee assigned spot. <laughs> but, um, so looking yeah, forward, that's, that's the next good. rugby. That's the next rugby we've got to look forward to. Stay, but you, we'll all stay in each other's houses. Everyone will stay in like Leicester, Leicester's houses. Yeah. Have you? Have you? Hope I don't get the. Hope I don't get the weird family. Oh God. God. I remember going to. Tri- I think. I went to Coleraine as an underage player and I, I thought it might have been your house because we went to some play. Everyone else went to like the Jetland Centre and going ice skating and shit. The Jet Centre, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jet Centre and I had to go to some fiddler on the roof play. I was like 10 years of age. <laughs> what is going on here? Might not have been your house but I, I assume that's what you'd have been up to. We'll track, we'll track that person down. Uh, Say uh, again, Jacob. Yeah, I can definitely see the trembles rocking down. <laughs> What is it like? What is it about me that says fiddler on the roof? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but have you let yourself think about rugby, Jacob, or looking forward to interpros, or have you even thought a little bit potentially about um, Lions next summer? Um, yes to all those questions. Um, yeah, like uh, to be honest, like I've been like I'm I'm obsessed with rugby. Do you know what I mean? Like if I wasn't playing it, like I'd be a fan. <laughs> so. Like I've watched every game. I'd say pretty much every game that I've played in the last four years. Um, so far over lockdown, like so, it's been, yeah, it's, like it's it's just something I enjoy doing. Um, yeah, and then obviously looking forward, like there's that there's that date that we've been given now. It's twenty second of August. So obviously, you know, realistically, I hope that that we're playing because I'm that and you know itching to get back on the pitch in any in any degree. So. Yeah, I'm hoping that the that we'll be back back at that date. Um, in terms of the Lions, like yeah, it's the kind of thing that's always going to be in in the back of your head a wee bit. Um, <clears throat> you know, there's obviously there's obviously a lot of rugby to be played between now and then, and and you know, if the team was getting picked now, I, I don't know if I if I would be picked or not. Um, but like, just by the time you know, Warren Gatlin's making a selection, like I want. I want to be in the position where, where like it's a no-brainer that he has to have me, um, you know, and, and that can be done, and you know, in a matter of eight months, um, so that's that's the plan anyway. Yeah, yeah good that's man. so that's so interesting. You're watching every game back, man. I I absolutely love that. Um, so you've got a lot to choose from, but what what would be your highlight or give us your top three highlights so far watching back over over the lockdown? Um, funny, like they're probably not they're probably not what what would have expected because I think like from watching games over the years, like the stuff that you're like, there's obviously stuff that you remember. You know, like the Twickenham try or the you know beating New Zealand or you know these big games that that you remember playing in. Um, but there's there's a few games that I've kind of forgotten about. Um, which looking back, I was like, that was a class game. Uh, you know, there was one, <clears throat> there was a game we played at the end of the season for Ulster against Glasgow. Uh, I was on, I was on the bench. Uh, Trevor, you might have started, you might have started that game. I'm not sure. 
Um, remember, I was on the bench, and then Louis Ludic got injured about uh, like fifteen minutes in, and I came on to thirteen, playing outside Luke Marshall, um, and scored two tries that day. Like, and I remember like the game was like it was just a, it was a phenomenal game, um, and I'd kind of completely forgotten about it. So it was nice getting you know reminded about about the game that don't stick in the memory as much as others do. You know. Mm. Yeah, I know. I've, there's been a lot of classic matches on, so I've been allowed to do that as well. Um, and I agree, it is those little moments um, that you kind of forget about. It's funny what what you do, uh, what does stand out. Um, but yeah, look, I think I uh, can't wait to see you back back playing, man, when this all kicks off. And uh, I think we've taken up loads of your time, Trimby, unless you've got anything to, to add. No, no, no. Good stuff. Um, great to hear you're kind of taking a trip down memory lane and enjoy, enjoying the nostalgia that myself and Barry are, are doing as well. We've got to go back and review um, the All Blacks game where we beat we beat them in Chicago 2016 and obviously you beat the All Blacks and maybe Barry, you know, you go back and review the time that you nearly, maybe the time you nearly, <laughs> nearly beat them <laughs> that time. Do you remember? No, 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 it's not. But Jacob, <laughs> listen, great to, great to have you on the show. Thanks a lot for coming on. Cheers, guys. Thanks for having me. COVID-19 or coronavirus is here. By taking a few simple steps, we can slow the virus down and help protect everyone. Wash your hands more often for at least 20 seconds with soap and water. If you cough or sneeze, use a tissue or cover your mouth with your elbow, then bin the tissue and wash your hands. Avoid touching your eyes, nose and mouth and keep surfaces clean. Distance yourself at least two metres, six feet away from other people, especially those who might be unwell. Stop shaking hands or hugging when saying hello or greeting other people. For updated factual information and advice, go to hse.ie or call 1850-24-1850. Protection from coronavirus. It's in our hands. Okay, welcome back to part three. Uh, over the weekend, we gave you all your classic homework to do, and which means each week we'll be discussing a classic movie, album, and rugby match. And we're taking you back to June 1995 this week, um, where we're going to start with probably the thing that reminds me most of that time of my life was the 1995 World Cup. It took over my life for that month of May uh, and June. And the probably the most outstanding result and still one of the most outstanding results in any World Cup semi-final was New Zealand being the absolute bollocks out of England in Johannesburg in the semi-final where Jonah Loma really, I think, rose to proper stardom. Mm-hmm. Correct? Oh, Jonah Loma, like, it seems the most obvious thing in the world for us to talk about Jonah Loma, but he, it was just crazy how much head and shoulders, how far ahead of everyone he was. It's yeah. mad, four, isn't it? Like four tries, um, and literally, I don't know if anyone ta- actually tackled him. I don't think they did in the whole time entire game. Yeah, just looked easy. <laughs> prob- very easy. He probably only touched the ball like six or seven times. Uh, put one nice left foot spiral in as well. Um, but yeah, they 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 could have given him the ball all the time, like you would when you were an underage and you had one giant player. Uh, but they they seemed to do it sparingly, like they were playing with their food, kind of like your cat would be playing with the mouse <laughs> outside. Um, yeah. Although then when you look at like standout performances in, like going through the team, the Brook brothers, pretty, pretty class, uh, bash up. Walter drop Little. goal. The drop goal from Brook. Zins and Brook, man. 
Like they don't make number eights anymore like that. He was he didn't, he didn't kick it. He didn't kick it like like he's been practicing drop goals. He, it didn't look like a natural kind of swipe, but it took off. It just soared. It was halfway, yeah. wasn't it? Halfway on fifteen, maybe. It was forty meters. So it was uh, oh. it was on the on the ten meter line and on the fifteen, which is at least forty meters and probably more. Um, yeah. But yeah, would it, would it, he could have he would have gotten that from his own half if it was directly in front. But um, he then had at one point in the second half, he caught the ball. I think it spilled out the back of a scrum, and he put in a right foot spiral that actually went directly into touch. And then thirty seconds later, he gets the ball and puts in a left foot spiral, no uh, which actually rolled into touch. And he had another brilliant twenty-five yard pass for one of Lomu's tries. But mm. oh, look, it was I love my my favorite to be found. To be honest, was the start where. Um, the kickoff. Mertens is taking the kickoff, and you're and he looks like he's shaping up to kick it to the to the to the forwards, and then he just turns and kicks it <laughs> kicks it for Lomu, and you can just imagine seventy three kg or Underwood and Will Carling and dropping down on top of him, and you can literally see them just go <laughs> <laughs> shitting themselves. They run into each other, and they both just. <laughs> <laughs> which just fall over, and uh, Lomu just kind of tramples on both of them and picks them up, and he scores within ninety seconds of the kickoff. Yeah, um, put it anywhere near him. Put it anywhere near. Who was it? Who threw the ball for the famous the famous try of the four? Who was it? Threw it. Um, um, Basham. Basham threw it. It was, yeah. yeah, chucked it over his head, bounced a couple of times. <laughs> as long as it goes somewhere near Lomu, let's. <laughs> it'll be. We should probably score. All right. Yeah, and then obviously the most famous attempt at a tackle I've ever seen was my cat. Um, the poor bugger just just gets absolutely trampled. Uh, and I love the commentator who I've I can't remember whose name who he was, but his reaction is so genuinely astounding. He's like, oh, oh, oh! He's like, what have I just seen? Um, and then Lomi like slams it down. Man, I remember that so clearly watching it. I remember what seat I was sitting in my house and just being like, oh my goodness, here he is. This is rugby where it should be and how it should be played. You know, he's 120 kgs. What? No. Was he? Yeah. Yeah. His legs are tree trunks and he's up against 73 kg winger. So when he catches Tony Underwood a few times, uh, or Rory Underwood, one of them, and he just swings. Shirt swings, shirt swings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was Rory, wasn't it? Uh, on the right. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, he tries to just like um, stick him and go. And he yeah. looks so confident. And it's so, such fake confidence. Like there's no yeah. way he's actually confident there. Uh, Lobo yeah. just goes, he could have, he could have thrown him <clears throat> into the crowd. He could have landed like three or four rows back. Yeah. <laughs> like a, like a hammer throw. <laughs> <laughs> you're right he was very kind he just kind of threw him up against the boards and, yeah. and he kind of looks over his shoulder as he's running off and just kind of smirks at him um, but you think like because Underwood has a, has a has a couple of yards head start in him as well and he's obviously lightning fast you're imagining mm. when you're watching it going oh wow does he actually burn him no he absolutely does not burn him um, so yeah watching that back was phenomenal and there's a, there's a couple of brilliant moments man Um uh, what's the uh, English coach's name? Uh, can you remember Jack Rowell? Do you remember him? Mm, no. 
he looked like um like John Major, kind of like a politician, um, uh, very much like a politician. It was bizarre watching him up in the stand. But after twenty minutes, watched his back. After twenty minutes, the the comment, the camera flips to him, and the New Zealand have scored their third try and drop goal. So they're about twenty seven nil up, and I think it's the most England have ever been beaten by in a in a test match is by twenty seven points. And all of a sudden, they're twenty seven points down after twenty minutes. And the camera flicks to him, right? And he's in the stand and he's sitting at the edge of a row of seats. And uh, the commentator's like, Jack Rell, well, looking well. Um, and then Jack, as he's as the camera's on him, this lady walks past him on the steps, walks down, and Jack Rell sticks the head out and kind of <laughs> checks, checks her arse out as <laughs> 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 just as the commentator kind of pauses Jack Rowell looking well and then the head goes out rather com- composed really <laughs> it's phenomenal um, but yeah I even enjoyed they've got they have their half time on the pitch oh really oranges uh, yeah and he's just standing there and you're like this guy is doing nothing he's not saying a w- although what are you going to say when you're you're that far down, but yeah, look, it was uh, <clears throat> it was an unbelievable like at the birth of Lomu, which was you know probably still my favorite thing about rugby of all time that he yeah. existed and played and what a man and what a team. Unfortunately, though, didn't go on to win it, but uh, well, not unfortunately. But I actually another thing. Do you remember Walter Little and um, Frank Bunce, the twelve thirteen for New Zealand at the time? Mm-hmm. I was obsessed with them. One of the reasons really? I wanted to be a centre watching them. But one of the other reasons was my dad had given me a jersey, a New Zealand number 12 with a 12 on the back. Do you remember how rare it was? You wouldn't get if you had like a, a jersey bought in a shop. It would never have a number on it, but it had a, a number 12 stitched into it. And he told me it was uh, Walter Little's jersey. And I was like, when I was a kid, I was like, unbelievable. So I remember telling everyone this, obviously down to my knees and I wore it occasionally, like, but... Uh, but I kept it quite safe. <clears throat> so he tells me the other day that he was running. He was running a raffle for uh, a trip to New Zealand to raise money for uh, bowls, and uh, he bought the jersey and got, got someone in in the fucking uh, uh, suit repair place in town to stitch on a number twelve jersey, and then raffled it off, saying that it was Frank Bunce's <laughs> jersey or Walter Little's jersey. And made a few hundred quid for the club or something like that. And and it also must have fixed it that he won the raffle as well, because how else did it end up in my house? Um so I've been around for fucking thirty years telling everyone that that was Walter Little's jersey. But Oh dad, just hustling people. That <laughs> hustling people. That's yeah. the second week in a row you've told hustling stories about yeah. your dad. And he's come clean. He's so count- he, came, he came clean last week. Another mm. like bit of him coming clean. So he obviously then reveals that to you in later life. If that if that behavior continues and he, as your life goes on, you realize that's been lying about this, that's been lying about that. And then <laughs> yeah. 10 years time, he'll be like, I'm not even your dad. <laughs> when he runs off with Neil Briggs and they start their <laughs> counterfeit clothing company. And I'm like, dad, take me with you. And he's like, I'm not even your dad. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Yeah. yeah. Good um, all right. Well, look, that, that, that's our, that's our game. It's on YouTube. Go watch it. Very, very, very enjoyable. Um, moving on swiftly. Braveheart. 
what yeah. are your memories? <clears throat> Braveheart, nineteen ninety-five, directed by and starring Mel Gibson, winner of five Oscars, one for best makeup, which you know, yeah, not, just the, that's just yeah. the blue paint. It's the blue paint. Yeah, <laughs> I assume it's the blue paint. Blue. We'll do a strip in his face. That's our Oscar. That's one Oscar. Um, Fair. Who, who's yeah. going to go for the other four Oscars? <laughs> <laughs> Either that, or maybe William. When William, when young William, kind of, they do a really good job of making him look really dirty and kind of unkempt. Uh, mm. And I can identify with that at the minute because during isolation, don't know about you, but I rarely shower. <laughs> I feel like I've got a whiff of, of young William and about, about me Jack came in, <laughs> Jack, Jack came in to me the other morning, and uh, I was like, "Come here, give me a cuddle," and then he just he. He was there five seconds and he goes, Daddy, you sing. You smell like a 12th century Scottish child that hasn't washed in years. <laughs> you should win an Oscar, Daddy. <laughs> For how much you smell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um, but Braveheart got, it got, it seemed to get critical acclaim at the time. And I remember the time, um, thinking wow like the, the battle sequences were incredible legs chopped off there was a lot of joy a lot of fighters got a lot of joy out of smashing guys on the wee english the wee um tin helmets mm. almost like um like the fez hats that saracens used to wear <laughs> saracen supporters <laughs> you know, like, a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like a tin version of that and then just blood down their face blood down their face that was, <laughs> yeah, a, yeah. That was a regular they a, one they had a tomato underneath their hat <laughs> they hit it and just squash <laughs> or, or a sachet of ketchup <laughs> Yeah, so <laughs> that was, that was all, the makeup. Apparently, um, I, I, I read up, and uh, apparently they actually removed a lot, of, a lot of the violence from it. It was too violent. Um, Mel Gibson went back and edited it. Edited. Jesus, it. there's one where a guy gets a sword up the nose. Remember that? Yes. Yeah. That's my. That's my nose. That's my. No, my nose. <laughs> Easy, you'll so, get much more violent. And the one that's the Irish guy stabs a guy up through the dick, just goes whoop, and you see it coming out the other side up his skirt. Oh, like. yes, that's right. Yeah, um, <laughs> anyway. The other thing is, um, so apparently, though, it got critical acclaim for all those reasons, but um, it was that's because there was no Google back in 1995. There, historically, apparently, it was absolute chaos. <laughs> Um, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, and then you like, pointed out to me. I was watching it, I rewatched it last night. I was maybe an hour and a half into it, and you texted me and said it's actually a comedy. And I went, <laughs> No, it all makes sense. <laughs> That's it. I mean, it, <clears throat> I was thinking about it. if you if you watch Friends, right, and you take out the laughing of Friends, yeah, Friends becomes less funny um, because yeah. the laughing is just like a cue. Ha ha ha, that was a funny part. If you took the laughing out of Friends and put it into Braveheart. It would be like <laughs> like Monty Python and the Holy Grail. It's so <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I thought there was moments it's like a carry-on, like a carry-on movie, isn't it? Mm, Longshanks, like, how amazing a character. How <clears throat> evil, like, could you possibly portray the English king, like, to be the... He's a pig and he's homophobic. He's, like, allows prima nocta to happen. He's just, like, when he throws your man out the window, that... That's comedy, like, isn't it? Yeah, that's comedy. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. the reaction from the guards at the bottom is comedy as well. <laughs> yeah. They all go, they all rush over like there's an emergency. They look up and they go, ah, not to worry. 
That's fine. I've I've appointed Philip the head of my high council. I'm skilled yeah. in the arts of war and military tactics. How are you? How are you? Yeah, let's see what you would make in this current situation. Fucks him out the window. Yeah, um, the other thing, there was a refreshingly, again, nostalgia. There was a lot of stone throwing. Stone throwing um, captured mm. a large part of my my childhood stone throwing that the skill of stone throwing was very very high up the list of of your kind of yeah yeah your 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 social currency like how how valuable you were like if you could throw a good stone Mm. like that made you in the cool crowd or you've got a bit of a catapult arm so you must have been pretty good with you no i throw no i throw i was gonna say throw like a girl but you can't i can't Can't say say that anymore can't say that i throw like a person yeah a poor person not a poor person (laughs) (laughs) you can say nothing (laughs) so stone throwing um i hope obviously there's no ipads when we were growing up um there were no internet i suppose as well uh so we threw stones i hope that my kids still throw stones though i hope they kind of bring that onto the next generation and pass that that skill down it's very important um, yeah, I think one other uh, issue, one thing I picked up on was um, the the Scots were always going into battle. The Scots were very clumsily dressed. I felt I thought they didn't do themselves any favors. Like if someone, and it reminded me a little bit of the '95 World Cup with the baggy jerseys and all. I'm thinking if someone <laughs> had got a, two, a 2020 World Cup jersey, brought that back to the Scots. In 1995, when they were fighting, that would fit in with the historic inaccuracies. If one, <laughs> yeah. of, the, one of them was wearing a 1995 Irish <laughs> Nike Irish jersey, <laughs> yeah. So I just felt like they could have done themselves a few more favors there. I think Wallace should have his his speech was very rousing, but it wasn't very mm-hmm. practical. He should have said, uh, "They might take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom." Oh, by the way, no kilts, fellas. No tartan. Don't have any shit hanging off you. Lad. We have to. We have to. We have to run. armor. We have to, we have to run full pelt here with swords. Someone's going to hurt themselves. <laughs> so, yeah, Your so. sword snagged in someone else's little, <laughs> little hanky thing. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think they they helped themselves there. Wear something more sensible. I think should have um, been uh, William Wallace's speech. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that would have had the same impact. <laughs> Look, <laughs> it's uh, but look, it, to be fair, if you take it as a bit of fiction, and if it was just a fictional story, which is like obviously you can come on here and be like a complete like douche and be like it's so historically inaccurate and and all that. I'm sure they're aware of it by the time, um, but you're like it was so well put together, cinematically brilliant, and all that. But um. How much of it has, you know, do people actually believe that this is what happened? Mm. Do you reckon, like it's gone on 20 years, 25 years now. People must be still thinking this is how it happened. This is how evil um, all of the English were, which obviously over here, it's it's easy for us to, to believe that. But um, apparently if you look into it, it's completely historically They were, they were really um like even the the princess wasn't wasn't even born or something like that or she was maybe a, an infant when all of this happened which okay the yeah well 
that's quite weird as well. It's isn't not, it? it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Bruce or what's it? Bruce Willis. Mel Gibson can do whatever he wants. And what was the 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 Polly and and yeah, I, I remember you talking about. Um, I can't remember, and, and I don't <clears> think you remember either. So this might be a dead end. But I remember there was some uh, illustration or comparison between uh, uh, Wallace and Hamish having the stone throwing competition. And then mm. uh, it, it's um, O'Connell and Hayes, and Hayes was Hamish, and he was like throwing the stone. And he was like, "You'll move," and he's like, "I will not." <laughs> <laughs> can't remember what this is like a previous episode, like a year and a half ago. I remember you yeah. had some comparison, and I loved it at the time. I've just forgotten it. Shit, I've forgotten <laughs> as well. But yeah, superb film. To be fair. Uh, Always a good watch. And then to tie up that, what would have been happening at the time as they were bringing that out and we were watching <clears throat> New Zealand hammer England and the Scots hammer England. Um, Oasis dropped their second album. What's the story? Man and glory. Um, probably their best album. Do you agree? Uh, I, I really like definitely maybe, but it's it's definitely their most successful album, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, when you look, it is, it's, I think uh, it, it was number one for like 10 weeks or something like that. Um, so that's probably financially would have, but then you look at the songs and fuck, it's so well put together, man. Jesus. Uh, like it, it, so albums like this, I think had to live with a live vibe as well. So they were going out playing in stadiums and big festivals and crack like that. So they have loads of banging tunes, even like the, uh, the instrumental tunes in it are so upbeat and rousing that you can imagine them like it's such an important part of a gig where like in between songs the band aren't going and now for my next song uh, you know that can be a shitty part to any gig uh, so to have a, just an instrumental part that bangs on through and lets people keep keep the energy up and, and then you just drop into feckin' Wonderwall the most is there a, is there a more uh, memorable four chord guitar part in the planet probably not no that's it that's it's a it would have been a very popular one for for on the bus um singing on the bus i always think that that um uh yellow container you drink from i always think it looks like you're drinking bleach <laughs> <laughs> anyway. it's what it's it's water fully enough yeah. um uh no so uh yeah so um yeah a popular one for on the bus um and would have been maybe outlawed actually in a couple of teams. Um, oh yeah, you sing no, anything you want, but not that. Don't. Yeah, it, it, I think everyone overdid it. Uh, if I was to pick a song on it, some might say is, I don't know, there's something about it. It's so unique, and I was reading up on it. They recorded it uh, live in like one take with everyone. Not probably not one take, but it was uh, a take for everyone. So. Uh, when you when they listened back to it, when Noel listened back to it and he was drunk, and I think Bonehead maybe they were list, which is often what I do when we write and record songs. I listen back to them drunk; it gives you a different perspective. And they were listening back to it, and they realized that it gets way faster in the chorus than it did in the verses. So they wanted to re-record it, but Liam's vocals were so good on it that they didn't want to. The rest of the band outvoted them. And if you listen to it, like we've grown with it, obviously we don't know it any different. So it's clearly gets faster mm. in the chorus which is bizarre but it's banging it's almost like it needs it it just kicks on a little bit which is obviously a mistake and they had to like drown it in reverb and stuff but uh it's for me 
fucking flawless. Yeah. It's funny, it's funny how you can have mistakes and they're, they can end up being maybe the the beauti- most beautiful part of the song. Yeah, She's Electric was my favourite song <clears throat> on it. Was it? Yeah. Mm. Um, I, I'd say probably this is, the, uh, this is the album that everybody knows more or less all the words for. For most of the I was songs. thinking that I was like I was like I know every word to probably maybe not hey now but I know nine of the songs ten of the songs I know every word to it yeah that's some think, um, that is some ability to write a song isn't it an album yeah. that everyone know the words you um uh after I think it was after last week or a couple of weeks ago um Pat said that I speak I I'm like very close to the camera that's a little bit like the way Liam <laughs> Liam sings you know he does that thing where he's right up <laughs> so yeah. um I feel like I've been kind of been a tribute to Liam over the last Liam few weeks. Yeah. yeah. His vocals on this are unbelievable, but I do love that this is when you first hear Noel coming in, he sings Don't Look Back in Anger. Um, that's his first time that he he does lead vocals um, for an Oasis track. And it was kind of the, I think he started to take over a little bit more then. We actually, rec- <coughs> have you seen Supersonic, the, the film? Yeah. So they, you remember the part when they were recording this album? They're in Rockfield Studios in Wales. Yeah, you told me this. Farm. You recorded, yeah. Yes, yeah, so we recorded our one of our records there about five years ago, and uh, it's an unbelievable place. Just like a farm, literally a farm in the middle of the Welsh countryside. And uh, there's an old farmer there who's been there since the sixties. Well, he grew up there, but he's he, he was the studio since the sixties. His name's Kingsley, and he he runs the place, and he's just wandering around the place. He'd stop in the middle of the studio when you're in the you know in the middle of recording, and he'd bring in a fucking bucket of milk because he's just been, uh, you know, milking the cows, and he'll just sit down and start talking, and everything has to stop when you listen to him, and uh, he's he's telling us stories about, <clears throat> like what's his name, uh, Freddie Mercury writing um Bohemian Rhapsody there, uh-huh. and he's like just see just see that the wind chime out there. Uh, I remember Freddie was sitting there and he was playing the piano and and he, and I looked up and he he looked like he was stopped for a, he was stuck for a line and I looked up and I said, "See that wind chime there? Any way the wind blows, that blows." And then that's where he got the line for "Any way the wind blows" for Bohemian Rhapsody. And he said, "Just see that that wall out there? That's the Wonder Wall. That's where Noel was sitting when he <laughs> when he wrote the Wonder Wall." And then, sure enough, like uh, a couple of days later, a lot of people came in and sat up on the wall. And this is now, man, middle of nowhere. A lot of people are sitting up on the wall, taking photos of themselves on the wall. And of course, we did as well. We were out there fucking taking selfies on it. Um, no way he wrote that there. Like, no, he's uh, your man. Like he, he sounds like he sounds like Rala. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. Just, just kind of holding sh- cord, taking his time, telling stories. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. That's important. Like he, had the, he had the audacity to come out and uh, say Chris Martin was here and he was writing uh, for, for Coldplay, writing parachutes, and um, they were stuck for us. So I couldn't think of a line. And we were outside and we were having a cigarette. And I said, I looked up and I pointed at the stars and I said, Hey, Chris, see those stars there, boy? They shine for you. <laughs> <laughs> so you got the line for yellow it's like this is bullshit but I love it um, so yeah it was great it was cool when going back to a studio like that man and you can feel it in the walls though that's why when someone uh, comes in and starts telling those stories and it hasn't been changed a bit like watch Supersonic the mm-hmm. exact same same uh, vibe around the place so yeah that was 1995 ladies and gentlemen June 
What Enjoy. a time to be alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do a quick round shouldn't be any, the, pe- any penguins. penguins. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, penguins have been um, um, a little bit quiet. Um, but this week, uh, the penguin of the week goes to Patrick Corrigan, who shared a ridiculous um, penguins in Vietnam video um, from Japan. Um, Saw that. Pat was traumatized. It's like platoon. There's there's penguins getting mowed down <laughs> left, right, and center. It's it's strange whenever you see like it's so like an animal that we all consider to be, especially us, because we're all kind of we have an affinity with penguins now. There's mm. a cuteness and a closeness and just a loveliness about we fluffy penguins. Molly has a penguin teddy, right? And then you put them in a sinister situation like Vietnam getting shot by, by machine guns. <laughs> Very strange. Crying watching this anime cartoon. Yeah, but that was brilliant, I must say. Good stuff. Um, one other, who was it? Someone put someone put into the, into the group. They're using this like um, as as like a community to. Well, no, that to be fair, that's what it is. But I think this one was taking the piss. Someone was looking for um, a dentist in the group to help them out. <laughs> was it a rugby related injury, or is he just looking for a dentist? He's just looking for a dentist. Oh, that's um, brilliant. Yeah. So if, it'd be good if it was kept. You know what? I was going to say rugby themed. No, actually. You, no. Know, what? you know what? Actually, um, inquiring about dentists is more on our brand, I think. so. Penguin dentist. If there's a dentist for penguins, get him on. That's that's. Yeah. There was also a guy, an American rugby player who's uh, uh, selling himself, essentially. He sent in his uh, his video clips looking to, to come over here and play some rugby. Um, which I totally fully support that as well. Yeah, Although his his footage was taken on an iPhone from the side of the field, which may not help, but um, yeah, still enjoyed it. It's probably naive to think that we can pull any strings, but yeah, we'll do what we can for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But so who's the, who? Oh, also Matt McKnight has, seems to have a, a cartoon on the way with the field and the fox. Yes, um, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yeah. And the mouse and the cat. Uh, so, Penguin of the Week was who? Uh, Patrick Corrigan. Well done. Well done, buddy. <laughs> All righty. Um, cool look that's it that's that's more than enough lads to keep you going for another week thank you all for listening and thank you for everyone watching over on our new YouTube channel um, and a big thanks to everyone for putting the show together to Pat to Paul to Dermot and uh, to Anthony this has been Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby here on Joe together with Guinness party on Trimby party on you were listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe together with Guinness Drink responsibly. Visit drinkaware.ie for the facts.